This is the first church service that we've been to in person since the start of the pandemic. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just nice to actually be together with a body of believers. And uh, it's like an overwhelming sort of just joy to be back in, in a church with people who love the Lord. And so we're, we're especially just happy to be here. But the second reason is there's something very special about this church. Let me know if you can hear me okay, if there's a little feedback. Right? But there's something special about this church. Um, every time that my wife and I have been here, there's just a feeling of warmth and kindness and love that we feel. And you feel it like as soon as you walk in, we saw people and they were asking us how our kids are doing. We haven't been here in years. And it's just like you pick right back up where you left off. And so we so appreciate just your warmth and, and your sincerity and, and the way that you demonstrate that. Um, it's really a blessing. My wife and I love Pastor Will and Rebecca. Uh, he's kind of a hero of mine. I haven't been in the ministry for very long, but when I first started out, Pastor Will is someone who really just took time to talk to me. You know, I was like, hey, I know how to read the Bible, but I don't really know what I'm doing here. And he just took me out to get some wings and sat down and, and talked to me and encouraged me. And every time that I've talked to him, every time that I, I've left kind of just hanging out with him, I always leave more encouraged. And so you are in amazing hands, tremendous hands. Um, I, I really think the world of Pastor Will and Rebecca. Um, so I feel like what I have to share with you today is something that is from God. I was praying about it, and I feel like I just kept coming back to this. And, and I think that this is for somebody here, maybe lots of people here. And so I'm excited to share this with you. It comes from Luke chapter 17. And I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. It's verses 11 through 19. I'm just going to read it with you. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Just put a pin in that for a moment. The title of this message is called Thank You. And Kyle told me that there's a thing that you do here where there's a certain buzzword, I guess, where sometimes people count the number of times that you say whatever the buzzword is. And so the buzzword today is thank you, but it doesn't come until a little later on in the, in the service. So for people who are anxiously waiting for me to say thank you several times, this is for you. Thank you, 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 thank you. I don't know how many times that was, but I hope that it holds you over until we get a little bit further on into, into the message. My wife and I, we have uh, twin three-year-old daughters. They're almost four years old. And as amazing as they are, as much of a blessing as they are, they are a lot of work, as you can imagine. I remember bringing them here when they weren't even one and how kind everyone was as they were in the, the children's church and, and everything. But a lot has changed from the time that they were that age until now. Actually, a lot has changed recently. Even the, the progression from starting out at three to now almost being four, there's something that we have noticed that has changed. Before, there was a certain level of, I would say, respect that they had for my wife and I. They would ask us certain questions, they would want to know certain things, and we would meet them with a simple yes or a no. 
we would say, you know, they say, can I do this? And we'd say, yes, you can. And then they would usually be okay with that. Or no, you can't. And they'd be okay. You know, some, some fussing, some whining here or there. But they would accept the fact that mommy or daddy said yes or no. There was a humility, I guess, that they had, if I could even be so bold as to say that, in our relationship. They understood that mommy or daddy had the final say. Well, now that they're almost four, there is a new word that has been introduced into their vocabulary that if you are a parent, you are familiar with, and that word is why. Why? So now instead of, you know, yes or no, everything is met with a, but why? And I've heard, spoiler alert for my wife and me, I heard it doesn't go away, I heard it doesn't get any better, I heard it just kind of intensifies and keeps going as, as, uh, as they get older. But this played itself out kind of in an interesting way with us recently. My wife and I decided that we were going to give the kids, you know, pizza for dinner, which is a big deal for the kids. My kids love pizza. They can eat pizza forever. In fact, they eat pizza so much that we have to be careful about how much we give them because they'll just keep on going and going and going until they get a stomach ache, and then you got a whole bunch of other problems that you're trying to deal with. So we cut the pizza up into these little kid slices, and we gave it to them, and they ate the slice, and they asked for another one, ate the slice. And then we got to the point where I started thinking, you know what, I think you've had enough pizza. And they said, Daddy? And they came to me. They know I'm the weaker link. They don't go to Mommy. They know, they know if they go to Mommy, forget about it, right? They, mommy's going to tell them what it is, and then that's it. They don't ask Mommy why. They, go, they come to me, and, you know, I'm, I am the weaker one between the two of us. And so, Daddy, can I have another slice of pizza? And I said, you know, well, no, I think you've had enough. But why, Daddy? And I explained, well, you had enough pizza, and you don't want to get a tummy ache, you know, and so you can't have any more pizza. And so, okay, Daddy, can I have another slice of pizza? No. But why? So the cycle starts going, you know what I mean? This is the, the three-year-old loop that you can get caught in if you're not careful. And so finally, I had enough, and I said, no more pizza. Pizza's all done. Pizza's all done. And so one of the girls looked at me, and she looked at the box, and she looked at me, realizing that why was no longer an option. She said, let me see the box. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, right? And so I was kind of caught dead to rice because there was more pizza in the box. I just, you know, she kind of had me stuck. And so the, the point of, of this story and the point of this message is to please pray for my wife and I because we are in serious trouble. Our, our three-year-old children are already outsmarting us. No, but, but I say that to illustrate kind of a, a point in that there is a hierarchy in our relationship, right? My wife and I are loving parents. We love our children. We, we think the world is them. We want nothing but good things for them. And, and they are our children. We, as we lead them, as we guide them, as we tell them what to do, we want them to sort of understand that, that we're kind of up here. We know a little bit more than you do. And you're down here. You know, you'll eventually grow and progress, but you need to just sort of just trust us. We're, we're your parents, and we love you. And, and it can be kind of the same way with us and God. You know, God is up here. God is all-knowing. He sees everything. He knows everything. But sometimes we question that. We can doubt that. We're not sure if God, one, either has our best interest at heart, or two, if he really knows what's going on, if he knows what he's doing. There's a certain level of humility that it takes as a believer, as a Christian, to stop and to humble ourselves and to come to God with an honest and an open heart. To accept that we are not master but instead that he is master, that he is Lord, that he loves us with, a, with an everlasting love. With a, you know, I guess one of the ways to think about it is one of my, my favorite verses or things that I've been thinking about is kind of the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, right? I tend to 
be a, a little easier with the who is in heaven part. It's easy for me to think of God as omnipotent, as omniscient, right, all-powerful. Sometimes it's harder for me to think of him as just our Father. When you put the two of those things together, you have an almighty, all-powerful God, but he's your Father who loves you, who cares about you, who's concerned about every intimate detail of your lives. It's not just that he's sitting up there high and mighty on a throne. He is a loving Father who sees you and cares about the day in and the day out. But it takes a certain level of humility to have that kind of relationship with God. And I was struck by that when I read the, the beginning part of this story here with these 10 lepers who approach Jesus. They cry out to him and they say, Master, have mercy on us. And there's really a, a double sense of humility in that line. There is master, you are Lord, you are great, you are God, you are high and lifted up. I understand that the things that apply to me, the rules that apply to me, don't apply to you. I can interact with things in a physical sense, but you, you are able to do things spiritually. You can touch people who are blind and they can see. You can walk on water. You can heal the lame. You, can, you have an ability that I don't have, and I recognize that you are above me. You are master, and so I, I address you as such. There's a humbling that comes with that when we put God in his proper place. It leads to everything that comes next in this story. After that, the second part of their humility is they say, have mercy on us. And what that really represents to me is they just brought their need to Jesus. That have mercy on me was really a cry to say, here is our problem, God. We are, we're lepers. We can't fix this on our own. We need you to intervene in this situation. Have mercy on us. You see, it's not just enough to put God in his proper place as Lord and Savior, but you got to come to him with the need. you got to bring the issue to him. And it's something that God is reminding me of time and time again. It's like this. Let's say that there's somebody in here today who maybe you lost your job, and now things are tough and you're struggling to make ends meet. You can't pay the rent, you don't have money to buy food, and I find out about it, right? Let's say that I, I, for some reason, I just have wealth. And I hear about your need, I hear about your issue, and I wanna help you. And so I tell you, hey, look, I want you to come by my house tomorrow, and I'm gonna write you a check. I'm gonna pay your rent for this month. I'm gonna stock your refrigerator with groceries. I'm gonna give you everything that you need. All you gotta do is just come by my house. I have this waiting for you. And you say, okay, great. But you never show up. You never come. And so you sit there, you stay in the situation, you stay in the point of need, you stay in the, the place of, of want because you didn't just come and receive what it was that I had for you. And it can be that way with us. We can understand that God is able to do everything, that God is, nothing is beyond him. But we won't come to him and present the need. We won't say, God, this is what I need. This is what the issue is. This is, this is where I need your help. And that can look a, a bunch of different ways. It can be, God, I'm struggling with this situation at work. I have a boss who's crazy, lost their mind, can't deal with it, don't know what to do. I need you. Help me here. But, but if we don't go and, and bring it to God, then how is God going to help us? God, I, there's this thing that's going on in my family. There's a situation that I'm struggling with. There's this family member that, I've been, that, I, that I know is in need, that, that's hurting, that's suffering. But if you're not bringing it to the Lord in prayer, how can he help you? He wants to help you. He wants to meet that point of need. But we have to be willing to bring it to him. 
We have to have the humility to say, you are God, you are Lord, and now here it is, here is the problem. Have mercy on me, have mercy on us. And this is how God responds to that. We can see it in the way that Jesus responded to the lepers. He literally doesn't miss a beat. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they go, and as they're going, they're healed. And so this kind of brings me to, the, to the, the second thing, I guess, that God was really putting on my heart. The first is that God responds to our humility. That was the first point. But the second thing is that there is a blessing on the other side of simple obedience. You know, God chooses to do things in a way that I just don't always understand. I mean, a lot of us don't understand how God does things or why he does things the way that he does. But there is, a, there is a blessing when we just take God at his word and we trust him with what it is that he says. When you look at this, it doesn't really make sense. I, I personally, just kind of the way that I am, my own personality, I would have struggled with this command that Jesus gave. Yeah, I would have come to him and I would have said, look, have mercy on me. I'm a leper. I got the first part down. I can humble myself. I can acknowledge that you are God. I can give you the need. But then what you're telling me to do doesn't seem to match what I've told you. I'm, I'm used to Jesus sort of laying his hands on people and saying, well, well now, you know, you're, you're healed. I want Jesus to zap me and so I can see the actual blessing happen. I want him to spit in the mud and, you know, wipe it and put it on my eyes and, and then I can open them. I want him to, to lay hands. I want him to, to, but he says, just go, just go. And as they obeyed, as they did that, the miracle happened. A lot of times, God will speak to us in ways that don't necessarily make sense to us. Always aligned with his words. I'm not saying do anything that pops into your head as you're asking God and seeking him for what it is that you need. But he'll tell us to do things that, that don't naturally align with the way that we thought that God was going to answer our prayer. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. We might be praying, God, I have this need. I'm praying for this family member. Oh, God, would you, would you get a hold of them? Would you, would you intervene? This is real. I, this, this is my real prayer. This is you stepping into my life for a minute. God, would you help this person? You see what's going on here. This is, this is real. We need you to intervene. We need your help here. Praying, praying. God will remind me. You know, I need you to call that person and apologize. You know what happened two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I need you to go and make that right. I'm thinking, well, God, what does that have to do with this prayer that I'm, that I'm bringing to you? I don't understand the connection here. I don't, I don't see why me going and, and making this thing right has anything to do with this prayer that I'm praying for, for this family member here. But as I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, as I'm doing what it is that God is telling me to do, he is working behind the scenes to make things right. He is working behind the scenes in his way to bring about what it is that he's, that the answer to the prayer that I'm asking. And so this is the, the simple obedience that it takes where we don't need to understand how God is answering the prayer. We just need to obey. When the Holy Spirit leads us and tells us to do something, just do it. Just obey. Understand that he is God. Understand that he sees the connections. Understand that he sees the bigger picture and knows why he is telling you, why he is leading you. His spirit lives inside of your heart. He's not going to lead you to do something that's going to hurt you. He wants to lead you into the place of help and healing and blessing, but it takes simple obedience. And you see this time and time again in various stories in the Bible, a bunch of different places. I was thinking about the story in uh, John chapter 2 where Jesus is at the wedding at Cana. And he's sitting there, and he's with his mother and his, and his disciples, and they run out of wine, right? 
So Jesus comes, or Jesus' mom comes to him and says, they're out of wine. And, and there's a, an exchange, you know, this is not my time. Ultimately, she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. And she leaves it there. And then Jesus tells them to do something that doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. He says, go fill up the ceremonial jars of, of water, with, of, for washing with water. And they didn't need water. They needed wine, right? It doesn't make any sense. But they did what he told them to do. They filled up the jars with water. And then he says, dip a cup into it and go take it to the master of ceremonies. And as they did that, as they took that simple act of obedience, the water turned into wine. But you have to obey. Like the miracle happens when you trust God and you just take that step of faith and say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I am willing. I trust you. I believe that you are almighty God. I believe that you love me. I will obey what your Holy Spirit says for me to do. You see it even in the example of Peter when he's in the, the boat, been fishing, caught no fish. Jesus says, hey, go out a little deeper. Throw your net in the deep end. And Peter says, hey, you know, okay, sure, I get it. You're a rabbi, you know, but I'm a fisherman. This is, this is what I do. I fished and I caught no fish. I've been out here and then there's nothing. But, but okay, if you say so, I'll obey. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I trust what you, God, are telling me to do. I trust you to lead me. And as he throws the net overboard, he gets a haul of fish that's so big that it almost capsizes the boat. Simple obedience is a blessing on the other side of simply obeying what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And I pray that if there's something that God's been putting in your heart, if there's some stirring that he's been giving you where he says, look, just obey. Don't worry about how this works out. Don't worry about how this connects. Just obey. Just listen to what I'm telling you to do. I pray that God would give you the courage to step out today in faith and to say, you are master. I humble myself. I acknowledge that you are God. I presented my need before you. You know the innermost part of my heart. You know how I feel when I walk out of here of this service on Sunday and I go back home. You know the thoughts that are in my mind. You know what's keeping me awake at night. You know what I face during the week. You know my grandson. You know my granddaughter. You know my niece, my nephew, my brother, my sister. You know my broken heart. You know my loneliness. You know my isolation. You know my situation. And God, I will, I'm willing to be honest with you. I am willing to lay this down in front of you, and I trust you with it because you are all-powerful, but you are all-loving, and you are God, and you are good. And as you lead me, as you tell me what to do, I will obey you, and I will see your mercy. I will see your hand of blessing on the other side of this simple obedience. God, help us today. God, help me today with that. Help me as I struggle with that every day. Help me to humble myself every day to remember, Lord, that all I have to do, it's just like what we were saying a moment ago, Christianity is, is the easiest religion there is. You just, you just seek and obey. Trust that God loves you the way that he says he does, and then do whatever he tells you to do. And this is really the, the place that uh, I want to sort of land here. This is the, the big thing that I feel God was putting on my heart throughout the week that I think is, uh, is kind of a game changer for me. This is the simple obedience that I think God wants to instill in each of us today. This is where I think the message ultimately goes. After Jesus heals the, the ten lepers, the one comes back. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute. Didn't I heal ten? Did only one of you come back to say thanks and to give praise to God? What happened to the other nine? 
Didn't I intervene directly? Weren't you all lepers? Weren't you all outcasts to society? Weren't you all in an impossible situation? Didn't you all cry out to me for help? Didn't you all ask me for mercy? Didn't I give mercy to 10 of you? But only one of you came back to say thank you. And I feel like God was putting in my heart this last point that I want to leave you with, which is that our thank you matters to God. It matters to him that we say thank you. I don't know why. I don't understand God. But I understand sort of the, the heart that I have when my children say thank you. I understand when my wife says thank you, when I say thank you to her. But how much more, God, how much more has God given us? How much more has God done for each of us? And it can be so easy to receive from God, to get something from God, and then to just move right on to whatever the next thing is that's on our list. Sometimes I, I'm guilty of this myself. I'll ask God, I'll cry out, God, help me, help me, help me, and then boom, God shows up and he does something. But then two minutes later, I'm, okay, well, well what's, what's 1A, 1B, 1C on my list? What's the next thing that I need? And I don't even stop and say, God, you heard my prayer. You answered that prayer. That was the biggest thing in the world to me in that moment. And you heard me and you helped me. Can I not just stop and say thank you for what it is that you did? Do I not have the time to come and say thank you for intervening in my life? for helping me. It matters to God that we give him praise, that we give him glory. I think of how good that God has been to me. And look, my life is riddled with issues and difficulties and problems, just like every other human being who's walking the face of this earth. We all have our issues. But when I look at the blessings that I have compared to the problems, there is no scale. The scale is broken. The scale is so weighed heavily in favor of how good God has been to me, of how much mercy God has shown me, of how kind God has been to me. Can I not just stop and say thank you? Can I not just, just take a moment out of my day before I just go on and pretend that whatever it is that God has done for me didn't happen? Can I, can I just stop and spend a few minutes in worship before him and say you didn't have to do any of the things that you did? You didn't have to do any of that but you did it out of love, can I not just stop and say thank you? It means something to him. He remarked about, Jesus made a note of this, that he didn't just heal one, he healed ten. I think that, the, that some of us, and myself included, we owe God some thank yous. We owe him some praise. And this is not, you know, to turn a blind eye to the needs that we have, because we covered that in the first part. He cares about the needs. He wants us to present the needs to him. He's not saying ignore your problems. He's saying, I, I want to help you with that. But, but maybe the simple obedience for some of us today is to just stop and say thank you. Maybe as we humble our hearts and we say thank you for what you've already done, it'll pave the way for the blessing that God is trying to prepare, the answered prayer that God is working out for you, that situation that you've been praying to him about. Maybe if we just stop and we acknowledge and say thank you, God, for who you are and what you've been doing, it'll open the door to the blessing that you've been asking for. Maybe he's just waiting for a simple thank you for you, for a heart of gratefulness, for a heart of gratitude to receive the gift that he wants to give to you. And so I just want to sort of end here in a moment of, of just thanks to God. And not just for the prayers that he's answered along the way. Even, look, if, if God did nothing else other than send his son to die on a cross to save us of our sins, 
to give us peace with God, to give us right standing with him, to give us hope of eternity in heaven, to give us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, where he says, I promise to go every single day of your life with you. You will never be alone. You will never walk through a valley where I won't be there. You will never reach up from my hand and I won't reach back. You will never look for me and not be able to find me. If that was the only promise that he ever gave me and he never answered another prayer, I could say thank you for the rest of my life. But I don't do that. I forget that all the time. And I say, oh, God, but I need this. I need you to do this. And I don't stop and I say, thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for how you've already met me. And so, look, if, if, if this resonates with you today, if you realize that you know I got some needs and I'm going to trust God with those needs, but I got some thank yous that I want to leave at God's feet first. Before I come with the next thing on my list, I want to come with some thank yous and some praise and some, and some just some worship before the Lord. If that's you, then wherever you are, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and to just lift your hands. If you're, if you're not ashamed to do that, and look, if it's not you, so be it. This is no judgment. I'm not trying to coerce you in anything. But if God is putting that in your heart, why don't you just close your eyes with me? And can we just spend a minute or two just saying thank you to God? God, we are grateful today. Yes, it's been a hard year. Yes, there have been difficulties. Yes, we have lost people. Yes, we've gone through, you know everything, Lord. You know, fill in the blank. You were there. You saw it all. But in spite of it all, we are grateful. We say thank you. Thank you that you never left us. Thank you that you heard every prayer. Thank you that you cared for us. Thank you that you brought us into this building today to remind us that you are with us, to remind us that we are not alone, to remind us that you will continue to answer our prayers. But, Father, we can stop and we can be grateful. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for walking us through difficulty. Thank you that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear any evil because you are with us. Thank you that you are our provider. Thank you that you are our protection. Thank you, Lord, for how you have been with us. And, Lord, we will keep trusting you. Every day, Father, help us to wake up with a grateful heart. Help us to count our blessings before we count our problems. We will still bring our problems to you, and you will be faithful, but help us to do it, Father, with thanksgiving. As you say in Philippians, Lord, Philippians 4, we won't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, we will present our requests to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving, we will bring our requests before you. And so we humble ourselves today. We put ourselves back in the right posture, in the right position and that position is one of adoration and praise towards you. It's one of faith and trust in you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Surely they will follow us all the days of our lives. Thank you.